you can write down lost and found, lost and found. And if you'll go with me, we're going to read two passages of scripture. The praise and worship team is going to help me this morning. Did you enjoy their worship today? Yes. Was, it a, was it a blessing? If you go to, to Psalm, the 19th chapter, several weeks ago, I did a, I did a special pr presentation on how great is our God. And in that presentation, we, we showed you some solar systems. We showed you some of the heavens. We showed you uh, uh, millions of light years away. I'd like to ask uh, all of my nerds in the building to help me. Will you get your calculator out? I like every nerd in the building to get your calculator. Come on, dig it, dig, dig it. I need you to help me to, to make this sermon uh, credible and of integrity. You're not a nerd, or you don't have your phone. Okay, if, if, if you're one of those gifted people with the calculator, would you get that out just for a minute? Uh, gifted people with the calculator. And here's what I'd like to ask you to do. I'd like to ask you to take 186,000 one eight six zero zero zero. Those of you listening by podcast or driving the car, if you're on the car, I wouldn't get your calculator out. But if you're listening, if you'll have a little fun with me this morning, take your calculator one eight six zero zero zero. Multiply it times sixty, and then multiply that times sixty, and multiply that times twenty four, and then multiply that times 352 and what we have just done we're going to calculate the speed of light we're going to we're going to tell you in a minute what a light year is if you were to get on board a ship traveling at 186,000 miles per second that is that is the speed of light speed of light is uh, quicker than any other speed other than the speed of thought only the speed of thought is quicker than the speed of light so if you now Leela what what have you got is it 5.88? What is it? Okay, billion or tr million or billion? Billion? Trillion? Trillion? Is it trillion? Okay, watch this. A light year is 5.88 trillion miles per hour. Think about it just for a minute. The word says that in the beginning, God created the heavens first. Our solar system, the Milky Way, as we know it, is 100,000 light years wide. One of the skeptics of the Bible said there's no way that Jesus resurrected from the grave, went to heaven, heard from God, and came back that very same day based on the, the process of a light year. But Jesus does not travel by light. He travels by thought. And when you think about something, go with me somewhere. Go to California. Go to Texas. Go to Hawaii. Go to Trinidad. Go to, go to Europe. I'll come back. See how, fast, see how fast you travel? That's exactly what's going to happen. With the mind of Christ, we're going to be, have, the, have the thoughts of God. And when God calls our name, we're going to be resurrected up, meet him in the air. And in that same day, look at somebody say, in that same day, we are going to be walking streets of gold, casting our crown at his feet, freaking out, it just, just going nuts. And it will be, a, it will be a, a celebration that thousands of years we will continue to celebrate and party and, and, and see the greatness and the goodness of God. The Bible says that God walks the circuit of heaven. We know that everything operates in a circle. What, what goes up must go down. We know that what you sow is what you reap. It is a, is a process. What goes around comes around. And that's all based on the order of God. And if you look at Psalms 19 and 1, I, and just for the fun of it yesterday, or this morning, I jotted down some things that give God praise. And I thought Pastor Ron was going to stomp in my garden when she talked about Isaiah and the seraphims. But if you will, notice if you will, the first six verses in Psalm 19. Oh, the point, let me, let me back up. Rewind. Okay. If our, if our solar system is 100,000 light years long and we're one of the smallest solar systems of hundreds of millions of solar systems, here's what the word says in Psalm 102. Verse 4, as far as the heavens are from the earth, so far hath he removed our sins from us. 
God, 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 God puts your sins in a place you cannot in 5.88 trillion miles an hour traveling at the speed of light for 100 million years, you'll never be able to find that sin. I mean, how, how incredible is that? How phenomenal is that? And the enemy constantly tries to beat us up because of our past, or because of all that. You don't have a past according to the things of God. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. This is a brand new day. That's what Kenneth said. Don't put any limits on your expectations. Don't, don't put boundaries on, on the things of God. God operates outside the box always. He always operates outside the box. So, so in, in retrospect of how far your sins are from you, notice if you will, Psalm 19. The heavens declare, and that is a Greek word, that's a Greek verb to shout or to speak or to sing. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. So the Bible says that the stars day by day shout out and by observing the stars we gain knowledge how great God is there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard that means throughout the universe the voice of the stars and the solar systems are praising and worshiping God their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world in them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun watch how he describes the sun which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race how many ever observed either a sunset or you observed a sunrise. I remember several years ago, Pastor Ron and I were on the big island of, of Hawaii and we had the privilege of going out and sitting on top of a mountain that was a volcano that was active and we had to drive, it was about two hours to get to the top and we sit there and we, I don't know if you remember, you remember the sun, we saw the sun and guys, I'm telling you, it was like you could reach out and take the sun like an orange and take a bite out of it. It was that phenomenal. A couple of days ago, I watched the sun set and the entire, the entire uh, 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 horizon, it just showed all the, all the clouds and reflection. And we've been told that, that the sunset is God's signature. That's his signature. But, but, but the sun in the morning, it bursts forth as a bridegroom out of the bride, bride chamber. Can anybody relate to that? Verse 6. His going forth is from the end of the earth in a circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. So God walks the circuit of heaven. He knows the beginning. He knows the end. Now to God, there is a beginning and end, but to you, to you and I, there is not. We cannot grasp the start of a matter or the conclusion of a matter. But before we were ever in our mother's womb, God knew exactly how many hairs we would lose a day in our shampooing and combing. Of course, he knew a long time ago how many Chris Vernon would have because you know, Chris has eliminated all. Chris has, taken, Chris has taken the pressure off of God to keep up with every hair. And God says, Chris, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation. Now, if you will, go with me very quickly to Psalm 148. Praise the worship team. I know you've been standing there a long time. And so I'm going to blow through this. Psalm 148. Praise ye the Lord. Praise you the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Uh, two weeks ago, I got aboard a little 65 horsepower airplane, flew the entire circle of the city, praising, worshiping, pray, praying in tongues, giving God glory, and, and, and following up on this scripture. Praise him, watch this. All his angels, praise him, all ye hosts. Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise ye him, all stars of light. They don't just shine, twinkle, twinkle, little star. They don't just shine, but they emanate a sound to give God glory. Praise him, heaven of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Watch this. As we have oceans, two-thirds of the world is covered by water. Above our firmament, above our heavens, there are other lakes, there are other oceans. And how, how wild is that? Let the name of the Lord let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created. He has also established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons. And that dragon there is another word for, for jackal or coyote. Praise the Lord. All, ye deep, all deeps, and that, re, that relates to whales, fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, they have, they have actually recorded and they have found there are sounds emanating from rocks. A rock actually makes a sound. And we go back to that scripture that, that the psalmist said, before the rocks cry out, I'm going to praise him. You remember that, that, that psalmist before the rock? So the rocks have the ability to praise the Lord. 
beasts and cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all people, prince and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the heaven and the earth. His glory is above the heaven. So no matter, so matter what kind of picture we paint today, of the glory of God and the firmament of heaven, you'll notice that he created the heavens first to reflect his goodness. Are you ready for this? And then he created the earth to reflect his grace. Of all of the hundreds of millions of, of thousands of, of planets that are larger than ours, solar systems that are larger than ours, I showed you several weeks ago that earth is simply a, 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 a mode of dust is simply a little, a little speck that you would have on your glasses, but yet God placed all of his attention on that little mote of dust on you and I and gave his son so that you and I one day could go to where God's at and see God from a completely different perspective. I remember Oral Roberts had a, had a vision and he saw a 900 foot Jesus walking in the city. If you've been there, you'll understand because the buildings are several hundred foot tall and there was an evangelist that actually... Um, ridiculed Oral Roberts and then he got spirit filled. We'll talk about that. Then he apologized and he said that Oral didn't see Jesus big enough. Right. A, lot of us, a lot of us are in the habit of telling Jesus about our problems, but you know I've learned it's easier sometimes to tell your problem about Jesus. Right. Sickness, you can't live here. Sin, you can't live here. Pain, you can't live here. Bitterness, you can't live here. Jealousy, you can't live here because our God is greater. And aren't you glad that we serve a great God? Let's read just a little. We read the whole the chapter. Let's, let's, let's step into what I wanted to share with you this morning. As we begin to realize how great and how phenomenal God is, I thought it would be cool if we were to take a moment and that we were to worship together with the stars with different solar systems, with the, the creatures of the earth. And I, and I jotted down some of those creatures and let me share them with you. We know that the rocks praise God. Right. We know that the birds praise God. There's no sound like the night noises ceasing and the morning noises beginning. If you're a deer hunter and you get in the tree stand two hours before daylight, there are night noises and you're familiar with them. But all of a sudden, it's like a button is pushed or it's like something flips over and all of a sudden, it's not night anymore. And all of a sudden, the morning, the earth begins to wake up and things begin to wake up and you begin to hear the birds sing. Then you'll hear the, the squirrels chatter and you'll, you'll actually hear the dew falling off the trees and hitting on the ground. And if, and if you listen real, real good, you might even be able to hear a spider spread a, way, a, a web. How cool is that? When I think about the rocks and the birds, I think about the wind. I think about the crickets, the frogs. Last night, the, the frogs were going, praise him, praise him. Praise him. Oh, yeah, that's what they were saying. I, I, I communicate with frogs. Jeremiah was a bullfrog, was a good friend of mine. I know all about, I know all about frogs. Every time a cricket makes that noise, and those, those uh, what were those thousands of bugs that were in Washington, D.C. when I went to that, that those, they, they make all that, the river, the, oh, help me, the, the, the cicadas, cicadas. I mean, they're saying, they're, they're just saying, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Yeah, I communicate with them too. I'm into communication with stuff like that. And then we think about alligators. I watched the swamp people last night, all my cousins, and I watched them and, and I saw them and I heard that alligator praise God. And then when I think about the dolphins, I remember Flipper saying, glory to God, glory to God. Look at somebody and take some pressure off of me just for a minute. Then I, then I think about one of my favorite, one of my favorite places, obviously Southern California, Laguna, somewhere there between Laguna and San Diego, the waves are anywhere four to five foot storm. The waves are seven to eight foot. A bunch of us went to Panama City and someone said, wow, look at those waves, but those aren't waves. That's just where somebody flushed the toilet. A real wave is in Southern California. But if you'll sit there long enough, you can actually hear the rhythm of the waves crashing on the beach. And if you'll stay there long enough, you'll notice almost to the beat of music or the beat of something that the ocean is alive. And the ocean responds, and we know it does that because of the moon sets the tide. But God said that every time a wave crashes on the, on the beach, it's giving him glory. And then I think about thunder. My Lord, I mean, how, how, how awesome when you see lightning, and then a few seconds later, you hear the thunder. It's, it's almost like the, it, the earth is like hiccuping or burping 
or maybe just maybe just shouting out a praise to God. It's my sermon. I'll tell it like I want to. And the woodpecker. If you'll slow if you slow a woodpecker down, I, I I did some homework on this several years ago. But some of you may know exactly how many times per second that woodpecker. I mean, it's incredible. And then you go. Ah, ah, that's what he. That's what he's saying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then when I think about then when I think about the hawk. I think about the crow, and then I think about angels, the seraphims, the cherubims, the, the archangels. It's, it's, it's scary how God has set everything up to praise him. Everything, he set everything up to praise him. And the Bible says that every breath that we take should in one way or another give God glory. Several weeks ago, I showed you about 13,000 light years away, and you realize how far that is. I showed you a, a constellation called a pulsar, and we know that we have pulsar in the music industry, and there's a reason why we have that, that we've named that pulsar. 27 miles above our Earth, there's a telescope that was birthed in, in uh, the Texas area, I'll think of it where in a minute, in the Texas area, what's that right there on the, on the coast? Not Galveston, but the other, not Humble, Texas, but Anyway, the, the, Humble, the Hubble telescope was invented in Texas and it circles our earth 27 miles out and it's aimed at this one star constellation because when they, when they pointed this telescope towards this constellation, they heard this, teles they heard this star oscillating 11 times per second. Do we have that, Austin? The uh, ushers, if you'll help me with the lights and let's, uh, let's see what this... Uh, if we can hear this oscillation 11 times per second. This is the pulsar. This is 13,000 light years away. 24 7. 352 days a year. Yes, it is. Every that year is for the cool past right there. Some years, of you are like, well, this is what this has done. This is this we we aim towards this this constellation because we actually thought there was life on other planets and we believe that if we can hear this star from 13,000 light years away on the flip side of this star that this found that's going out what kind of universes could it attract is there life on other planets so we've kind of focused on that on that constellation to see if there is life on other planets and so far uh, we've not nobody's talked back to us except the god of heaven Hello. And so and so we're not we don't know if there's life out there, but we're looking, we're exploring. Every day we get closer and closer into finding things out that are so phenomenal, so incredible. I want to share with you a constellation and I think I think uh, Austin has a picture of this constellation and praise and worship team bear with me. We're almost done. This is called 47 Tuck or Takani. I don't know who puts all the thought into these these solar systems. This is 800 to 1,000 light years away, and they have had the ability, uh, you, you are aware when the doctor takes that instrument and places it on the womb of that, of that mom, that ultrasound goes through her belly and it begins to generate noises. Your liver makes noises. How many knew that? Your kidney makes noises. Your heart makes noises. Your brain makes noises. Well, through this ultrasound process, are you ready for this? They have, they have sent out a sound wave and what sound wave? And I've been, I've been in Oklahoma too long. So now, a sound wave. And when the sound wave came back and from this constellation, they, they taped tw 16 of these 23 stars in this right in the center of the cluster of the 23 stars. They taped 16 of the stars. And we're going to play. Are we ready to play that, Austin? We're going to play that, let you, let you hear that for a minute. Like, this is what they're doing right now. Twenty-four seven. Go ahead. Are we ready to let it run? I think I've explained enough. Go ahead. And let him talk a minute. Yeah, they do. Because that's what the psalmist wrote when he said, "Praise the Lord from the earth." One of the main reasons they know how to do that is because of the songs that they sing. The whale songs lead them on their journeys, and I went, "Yeah, they do." 
because that's what the psalmist wrote when he said, praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths. And so I knew we are coming to St. Louis and it's not a lot of great sea creatures here. So I did a little research so you know what's going on in the symphony of God's praise. So with the pulsars, here come the whales. thinking about it, you know? Now, I don't know about you, but we've just got a couple of pulsars and some whales, but it may uh, with this guy right here, because he's pretty cool. You're like, who is that? Well, that's a pulsar, and uh, we have not photographed that pulsar, but we've recorded it, obviously, and uh, its name, if you're the other astronomy nerd here, is uh, PSR BO329-54. And this pulsar is spinning one and a half times a second on its axis, which is not incredibly fast, but it is kind of groovy, isn't it? Yeah, we're gonna need that. So you're gonna have to get your groove thing on here tonight, because that's where we're going. We're gonna put the Vela pulsar in, but just to be really honest, uh, Vela pulsar is not incredibly groovy. So what we're gonna do is combine these two pulsars join the whales let's join the stars let's join Pol Vela Pulsar 
13,000 light years away. As the heavens declared the glory of God, we were created for this moment. We were created for this time to worship God with all creation. Touch the heart of God. Ushers, if you'll help me with the lights just for a minute. You may be seated. One of the most fascinating classes that I took in high school, and I really knew very well at the class, but when you begin to study the human body, 
and you look at all of the systems, the human body, all the, all of the digestive, all the different tracts, all the different capillaries, all the different veins, all the different, the, the way the brain works, the way the heart works, the way the kidneys function, the liver, how everything works in the human body. Only a fool would believe there's not a God, only a fool. I thought this morning was lost and found, and I will probably focus a little bit more seriously on this next week. But I want to bring to you attention when we talk about how great is our God. We can't help but go to the 15th chapter of the book of Luke. Man, I might, I might just preach a minute. Give me a minute. Stay, stay close, though. I might just preach a minute. If you go with me to Luke, the 15th chapter. This is called the lost and found of the Bible. How many ever went to a lost and found station and you didn't find what you lost, but you found something you liked better and you claimed it? <laughs> oh, come on. Don't look at me with that tone of voice. I've, I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Like, oh, yeah, that's, that's my cashmere jacket. Yeah, that's my cashmere Oh, extra lot. Well, I lost a lot of weight. Yeah, as I said. But that's what we do with God. We bring the stuff we have, we let his altar, and he gives us better stuff. Three powerful stories in the book of Luke. The first story is a story of a shepherd. The shepherd has a hundred sheep that he's responsible for. And someone, and there's no blame, there's no blame, there's no, there's no finger pointing. But Pastor Tony, someone left the door open. Someone lowered the hedge. Someone was not where they were supposed to be doing what they were supposed to be doing. When Isaiah got his eyes off of God, he got his eyes on Uzziah. And when Uzziah died, Isaiah got focused back on the things of God. And then after God purged his lips, God asked, who shall go for us? And Isaiah said, I'll go. I'll be the hedge keeper. The shepherd would find a, a circle of trees or a place of trees or a circle of, of hedges. And there he would sequester all the sheep to spend the night. And then Gene, the entrance where the, the sheep came in and out, the shepherd laid down on that entrance, laid his life on the line. That's where you get that terminal. Laid his life on the line. And anything that went into that, that fold had to go through him. The word says a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. And God has laid himself down over the thresholds of our, of our life to try to protect us, to preserve us, to bless us. But somewhere, somewhere in everything that was going on and all the things that were processing, someone thought that their ministry was not important. And someone thought their prayer was not important. And someone thought that their consistency and their faithfulness was not important. Maybe it was a singing ministry. Maybe it was a keyboard ministry. Maybe it was a, a compassion gift. But, 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 but somebody dropped the ball. Somebody snoozed. The Bible says, while men slept, the enemy came. And so tears. I believe, I believe our nation really, really, really needs to wake up. When your own children are not safe in their own bedroom, six years of age and under, that someone would set out to kidnap and hurt and harm your child. It is so frustrating sometimes as a dad to walk anywhere with my daughter and make her stay close. It's so frustrating sometimes that I will not allow her to go in, into a public restroom by herself. It's frustrating sometimes that she'll want to go in, into the lobby and, and get some popcorn. And, and I won't let her. And she doesn't understand why. And it's tough to explain to an 11-year-old child that there are people out there that, that, that their, their, their thoughts are evil. Constantly, their thoughts are evil. And they're constantly focusing on the evil. And the Bible said that men preferred for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 
But this is the condemnation that men prefer darkness of light because their deeds were evil. We are a generation that sits around and thinks up evil things. We're a generation that promotes evil things. We're, we're, we're a generation that, that publishes evil things. But the Bible says, where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. And when you begin to see things going wrong and going south and going, and, go, and going bad, know that there's an almighty God that has a plan. It's a good plan. It's a plan to bless us, not to hurt us and harm us. And we're gonna look at this a little bit, a little bit more in the story, but, but somebody for some, for some reason, maybe, maybe it was a parent that wanted to be a pal. Maybe it was a pastor that was afraid to confront. Maybe it was, maybe it was a, it was a Timothy that, 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 that didn't pray for their Paul, but somehow the door got left open. I have a, uh, I guess, I guess you would be called a friend. It's actually my cousin's wife's mom lives in a very nice house in the El Cajon, El Central area, the southern part of San Diego. And uh, one day she thought, Southern California weather, one day she thought that she would just leave the doors open and let the, and let the uh, uh, house air out. And so she left the doors open, came back, much to her chagrin, there was a skunk in the living room. And much to her chagrin, she, she did not respond. She reacted. It was not a good reaction. And the, spunk took, the skunk took offense. And the skunks do what skunks do. And if I share with you the thousands of dollars she had to, had to spend, you, you, you couldn't grasp the amount of money. All the carpet, all of, all of the drapes, all the furniture, everything was trashed. It trashed everything. It cost her thousands of dollars. My banker, Mr. Mr. Thomason was telling us that they came to do some, some repair on his heating and air and they left the attic, they left the vent to the basement door open and a skunk got in there and a skunk got in the vent and did its thing. And there was thousands, I think they actually, Mark, had to take the wallpaper and ins I know they had to take the insula all the insulation out of the sub. See, it's scary when you leave the door open. And when you think about the door being open and Jing the other day was telling us a definition of sin, it was a very good definition. But if you want to know how much God loves you and how much God take, hates sin, take a young married couple with a little baby, five, six, seven, eight months of age, and that night they go into the nursery and they sing that baby, speak over that baby, bless that baby. They turn the, they turn the microphone on so they can hear the baby. They go to bed, get, get a good night's sleep, get up in the morning and go into the nursery. They didn't hear any noise through the night, but going to the nursery to realize that they'd left a window open and a rattlesnake climbed in that window. And that rattlesnake found itself in the crib of that little infant. And in the, in the night, the infant tossed its head and moved its hand. And that snake saw that movement and reached out and buried its fangs in the cheek of that child. That child died a horrible death. Can you imagine the hatred that those parents would have towards that snake when they walk in that room to see their, their baby they love that's precious to them? has now been, been destroyed by, can you imagine the hatred that God would, would, would that, that you, you would hate that, that snake? If you mag, magnify that a million times over, that's how much God hates sin. But as much, watch this, as much as God hates sin, he loves the sinner even more to the degree that, it, that he hates sin. Is that, if, if, if you'll grasp that, more than how much God hates sin, he loves you. And now there's a, there's a movie called War Horse, and I don't know exactly uh, how, how the verbiage went down past Ron, it could help me, but in this War Horse, the dad had been wounded in the war, had seen some horrible things, was a decorated hero, but really was a, he really was a punk, and he drank, and he, he said things he shouldn't say, and he did things he shouldn't have done, and he said something to his wife about, you know, I'm, I'm such a rat, you may as well, you may as well, you may as well leave me, and she made this statement, she said, you, you can do things that will make you hate you more, but you'll never do anything to make me love you less. And I thought, how oh, cool. I, I, I use all the time with Pastor Rhonda. I may do things that make her hate me more, but she'll never love me less. I mean, she's stuck with me. Isn't that cool how God does? It's like that, that super glue. We are, we are stuck together. The door was left open. The shepherd, watch this, left 99 healthy flock and he goes out and he looks and he finds the lost sheep. 
and he negotiates with that sheep and he ministers that sheep and that sheep submits to him and he gets that sheep back in the fold. And then when that happens, the Bible says he calls all of his neighbors, all of his friends, all the other shepherds and said, hey, that which is lost was now found. That which is dead is now alive. Come and rejoice with me. And the Bible concludes that whole story by saying there is joy in the presence of the Lord over one sinner that repents. And watch this. I don't want to hurt your feelings, 99. But the Bible says there's more joy over the one that was lost that came home than the 99 that did not, that did not need a savior. And so God's heart is towards the prodigal. God's heart is towards that, that child that grew up in church, loved God, saw God move, saw God minister. Something bad happened in their life something hurtful or harmful, regardless of how they prayed or how they tithed or how they gave or what they confessed. Bad things happen to good people. And it's easy sometimes to get bitter. It's easy sometimes to get hurt. It's easy sometimes to take your frustration out on God. Every one of us can find ourselves in that position, regardless of how many years we've been serving him, regardless of how awesome our wife or husband is, how great our kids are, there are gonna be bumps in the road. And there'll be, there gonna be seasons when we will find ourselves wandering away from the things of God. But aren't you glad that God has sent an anointing and God has sent a spirit to draw you back to him. And when you think of his goodness and what he's done for us, it makes us put the things of the world on the back burner and begin to pursue the things of God. The second story is a story based more upon your budget, your finances. A woman had 10 silver coins. Silver, remember, is always the medal of redemption. The Bible says our tithe makes the 90% holy. That is in the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Numbers, that, that when you bring a tenth of your gross, the things of God, it, it anoints the other 90%, that you can do more with the 90% than you could do with 110% without God's favor on it. Am I helping anybody in the building? This, this lady had lost her tithe and she, be, she began to clean her house. First of all, she turned a light on and she began to do some research and realized that, that, that tithing is not a curse, that tithing is not, a, it's not painful. Tithing is a blessing. Tithing allows us to connect with the things of God and to walk in all the blessings of the covenant. It's, 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 it's a covenant law. And so she turns the light on and she begins, and, and Jerry, she goes through her house and she sees all this clutter. And you know, it's really easy sometimes to get your house filled with so much financial clutter. And am I helping anybody? that the money that you need to do the stuff you wanna do, you don't have because you're, it's just too much clutter in your life. There's too many credit cards, there's too many things you bought on credit, there's too many payments, there's too many this, there's too many that. But she went and she got her house in order and she found that coin and then she went and got her neighbors and said, come rejoice with me, I have, I have found that which was lost, I've got my ability back to tithe. And the Bible says this, all of heaven celebrates when someone has found their financial freedom and their financial breakthrough. How exciting is that? I can tell you're shouting me down as you're so excited about that. The ability to be a part of the things of God, to be committed, to be dedicated, to be in obedience, to walk where God wants us to walk and see time after time God provide when it was impossible that God could provide. God always turns it around and God always makes room. Aren't you glad that you serve that kind of covenant keeping God? Good, three of us, four of us, four of us. The third story I wanna read if I may, and we'll, we'll, we'll initiate something today and then we'll conclude it next Sunday if, you, if you'd like enough to come back. Oh, by the way, Wednesday night, peach apricot and mango ice cream. Courtney brought me a bag full of peaches. I'm gonna practice peach apricot. And I think you'll be blessed. I know you'll be blessed by the, by the teaching minister, Pastor Rhonda. We don't, as a corporate church, we don't have Sunday school for adults. A lot of churches start at 945 and they have an hour of Sunday school. And then they go into the, into the sanctuary about 11 and they have about 10 minutes, as, as Kevin was, Kevin was saying, about 10 minutes of worship and they go into the ministry. We don't do that. We chose Wednesday night to be our Sunday school. So if you feel like you're not really growing the way you'd like to grow or you're not receiving meat like you'd like to receive it, Wednesday night is a, is a session for that. I, I promise you, you'll be served a five course meal and you'll be blessed. And if you're not blessed spiritually, I promise you, you'll like my ice cream. My ice cream is better than my preaching I've been told. So there, there you have it. So look at, look at the story, if you will, of Luke 15. 
Verse 11. It's been called a parable. It is not. Jesus said a certain man. Now, either there was a certain man or there wasn't. This is a real story about a family that really did exist in, in New Testament days, somehow connected to Jesus. A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, took his journey to a far country, and there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land that he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with husks the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him, working without pay. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And they began to be merry. The elder son was in the field as he came and drew nigh to the house. He heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked, what, what's going on? And the servant said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fat of the cat, because he had received him safe and sound. And he, the elder son, was angry and would not go in. And therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, which is impossible, by the way. And yet thou neverest gave me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this, not my brother, but thy son was come, which had thy living with harlots, nowhere in the story does it say he spent any money on prostitution, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said to the elders and son, thou art ever with me and all that I have is thine. It was, merry that we sh it, it was meet that we should make merry and be glad for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. This is probably one of the greatest stories in the Bible. This story has so impacted uh, artists such as Rembrandt. This story has impacted writers such as Mark Twain. This story has impacted songwriters like Reba Rambo and Donnie McGuire. The story of the prodigal is one of the most incredible stories of all time. It's a story of you and it's a story of I. And there's so many parallels and so many truths in this story that, that I just, I wanna bring just a, a couple to your attention. First of all, I wanna bring to your attention that there's something missing in this story. You read the story, there's a dad, there's a younger son, there's an older son, but there's no mom. There's no mom mentioned in this story. This is a dysfunctional family. If we were to take uh, some kind of a caucus or some kind of census, and I were to ask you how many of you grew up in a broken home or how many grew up with a single parent, probably the majority of this congregation can respond to being raised in a dysfunctional family. The second thing that I wanna to bring to your attention is that the older brother had a problem or an attitude with the younger brother. The dad may have spoiled the younger brother. Mom may have died giving birth to the younger son. But in this story, there seems to be some kind of schism or some kind of, some kind of chaos between the brothers. I don't know where they fussed and fought all the time. They argued, whatever happened. But when, when the son comes back, it's obviously the older brother has a problem with his younger brother. Let me address the first thing, if I may, a story without a mom, a life without a mom, existence without a mom. We know that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
And the Bible says that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. And as we research that word Spirit of God, anytime you find the word Spirit of God, when the angel brought that anointing to Mary's womb, that angel brought the Spirit, that word is Ruah. And the Spirit of God or Holy Spirit is a feminine term. So we have a father in the Godhead. We have a son in the Godhead, Jesus. And in that family tree, Holy Spirit represents the mom. Um, I watched last night, Gene and, 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 and Leela interact with the kids. And, and, I, and I watched Gene being the dad. And I watched her being the mom. And let me tell you something. Kids love their dads until they fall. They love their dads until they're in trouble. They love their dads until they're broke. They love their dads until they're having problems with their boyfriend. And it's always mom they go to. Because Jesus said, I've, I've got to go. I've got to finish completing a place for you. But I'm going to send the comforter. And he will comfort you in all ways. And the mom is the comfort of that family. Life without the Holy Spirit is coffee that is black. Think about that for a minute. I preached a sermon several months ago entitled Coffee with Room. When you were, when you were birthed, there was, a, there was a fertile yet dormant seed in your body. It's the seed of God. It's the seed of Christ. It's the seed of life. And when you were born, everything that your physical man demanded, it got. If you wanted milk, you cried. If you wanted to be held, you cried. If you wanted your diaper changed, you cried. Growing up in life, growing up in school, if you wanted something, you asked for it. You're hungry all the time as a teenager, always hungry, eating all the time. Something said, I gotta eat, food, food, feed me, feed me. I gotta get, I get some food in my body. You go on into college, you go into ed education. Mentally, there's a, there's, a, there's a button there that a lot of people, that, that knowledge just becomes a treasure they begin to pursue. And they got to know stuff and they research stuff and they, 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 they want to know about the stars. They want to know about the sand. They want to know about, they want to know about life. They want, they want information. And that's, that's a hunger in, in, our, in our spirit that God put there. But when your spiritual man lays dormant, there is no hunger. When your spiritual man lay, lays dormant, there's no activity. Nicodemus said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Everybody wants to live forever. Nobody wants to, to, to turn into, to rot in a coffin. Nobody wants to be flung off somewhere in Nirvana. Everybody wants to believe that there is life after death, that there's a greater purpose and a greater plan. And Nicodemus came to Jesus at night and said, what must I do? A secret follower of Jesus. In those days, it was not popular to be a follower of Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. And you talk about confusion in, in jargon and confusion in his language. Nicodemus said, born again, shall I enter again into my mother's womb? Well, you, you all know that's, that's, that's impossible for, for that to ever take place. Man spends the first nine months of his life trying to get out of a woman's womb and then hits puberty and spends the rest of his life. Well, never mind. I was politically correct. I did well, didn't I? So, so Jesus said, no, for God so loved the world that, and explained the process of salvation, explained the process of being born again. So in your DNA, there is a seed. I shared with you a few weeks ago that somewhere in the Siberian Strait, in their, in their excavations, in their archaeological studies, they have found a, some kind of animal. It's a cross between a squirrel and a cottontail. We have no clue what this animal is. It was frozen. They cut the animal out of ice, thawed the animal out. They did a, they did a autopsy on the animal's belly, and they found some seeds in the animal's belly. They took those seeds and they're claiming now that, these, that these, uh, this animal is anywhere from 12 to 30,000 years old. And they planted the seeds and they are, they are uh, harvesting a crop of a fruit. They have no clue what it is. It's like a kiwi, mangosteen, it's something in between. I mean, how scary is that that a seed 
can lie dormant for 12,000 years and put it in good soil and it will grow. When I was a brand new evangelist 30 some odd years ago, they had discovered the tomb of King Tut. And I had the privilege of going to Houston, Texas and observing the display of all the wealth. And I was told at that time, if you were to sell, liquidate the estate of King Dutt, it would house, feed, and clothe the city of Mexico City, which at that time was the largest city in the world. It would house, clothe, and feed those 13 million people the rest of their life. That's how much wealth was played. When they began to move these containers, they had, they had corn and they had wheat. When they began to move these containers from Egypt to where they were gonna put it on display, some of, the, some of the containers spilled out some corn. They came back a few months later to notice the corn that had been spilled had grown and stocks were about two foot high. It's amazing what with the power of a seed. The secret is to get the seed in the ground, get in good soil and get it planted. When you were birthed, there was a seed on the inside of you, the God seed, the desire to know the things of God. But let me tell you something about when you activate that seed, and the Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead activates that seed, and you're born again through the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost, that, that seed begins to become active in your life and begins to manifest in, in different ways. We are, look at someone and say, we are a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. The Bible says the earth is the Lord, the fullness of the world and they that dwell therein. We were taken from the earth. We are earth. Now watch this. God promised the children of Israel a land that flowed. We talk about the river, the river flowing out of our belly that flowed with what? Help me, milk and honey. When you accept Christ in your heart and that seed begins to ignite and begins to explode, your container is filled with the presence of Jesus. I've already messed it up, but this is supposed to be Lisa. This is supposed to be a, a black cup of coffee. But if you notice, if, if, if you will, this is coffee with room. And when you ask the Holy Spirit to be a personal part of your life, you take that honey, watch this. You take that honey and you take that milk and look what you get. A cup of coffee with cream and sugar. You know, the reason the world doesn't like some of us, because we're miserable. We're unhappy, we're frustrated, we gripe all the time. We've got the Eeyore complex. And don't make me do Eeyore, because my, my voice hurts. But the, the, world, the world sees us, we love God, we, we follow his rules, we follow his commandments, we live in fear of him striking us down. But a lot of us have never gone ahead knowing that there is room in your heart for something else. God said, be not drunk with wine, what is it? but be filled with the Spirit. And when God puts that Holy Spirit in your container, everything changes. Right. You don't want drugs anymore. You don't, you're, not, you're not freaking about money being your God. A lot of things settle down and maintain because you have got that presence of the Holy Ghost in your life. But watch this. As the natural man will demand to be fed, Every, every day, two or three times a day, we demand to be fed. Whether it's a snack, whether it's a ramen noodle, whether it's a Chinese food, we want to eat. But you notice the spiritual man does not put the demands on us the way that our physical man does. We have got to stir that up. We have got to activate that. We have got to know that the things of the world and the, and the, and, and the love of the flesh or the things of the flesh are the things that motivate us. And that's why Paul said, I have got to die daily. I've got to crucify this flesh and the things this flesh wants to do. And I've got to force myself to pursue after the things of God. And that's where I believe the church right now is at a lethargic state. Where, where, where we believe in the Holy Ghost, we believe in the demonstration of the Holy Ghost, but we're not actively operating in the power and the gifting of the Holy Ghost. Do I have a, do I have a witness in the building? And when, there, and when there is the presence of the Holy Ghost in the church, it heals relationships of brothers and sisters, husbands and wives, moms and dads. God said in the last days, I will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children of the fathers, I will, spend, I will send, watch this, the spirit of Elijah. Elijah was filled with the Holy Ghost and had the power of God operating his life. God said, in the last days, I'll send out my spirit. It'll turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. It will operate in restoration and there will be a hunger for God. There'll be multitudes in the vow of decision. Entire nations will come to know Christ. Well, aren't you excited about being a part of that? 
We're, we're, we're praying that the Bible says, ask of me and I'll give you nations as inheritance. Okay, let's, let's, um, let's, let's shut this thing down. Okay, it's five after 12. I'm hungry. I didn't eat this morning. I've only had 13 cups of coffee. Wouldn't hurt to go get something solid to eat. Let me address in, in, in closing. At the end of the story, let's go to the very end of the story. The bottom line, through all of the drama, through all the different personalities, the dad, the two sons, the servants, the world, in closure, in closing, the son went to the world seeking a party when all along it was dad's will to have a party. He pursued and spent everything he had in the world trying to find what he had at home. But Gail, what is so powerful, the, the dad didn't lock him up in his closet, take away his cell phone, not let him watch TV. The dad regrettably let him go knowing the end result but knowing that he'd laid a foundation with the servants to such a degree that the son will remember how well dad treated the servant you and I are the servants that have been treated so well and treated so blessed and when that lost sheep gets away from God and begins to pursue the things of the world, something will happen, Chris. There'll be, a, there'll be a light will go on, a button will be pushed. He came to himself and he said, not only am I working for free, I'm putting my money in pockets with holes in them, whatever, whatever habits he had, his money had to support that. But here I am doing something that is anti-God. It was against the law for a Jew to eat a pig or to have anything to do with pigs. It was unclean, it was not kosher. And all of a sudden he realized, I'm, I'm, I'm doing stuff I would have never done before. I'm doing stuff that is messing me up. I'm getting absolutely nowhere. I'm broke, I, I'm, I'm wanting to eat this pig slob. It's pretty bad when you want what nobody else wants to eat that throw away, been in the refrigerator three or four days, been in the trash. When, when, you, when you want to eat all that stuff and all of a sudden you realize, what am I doing? What am I doing? It was better at church. It was better singing the praises. It was better hanging around the things of God. Right. And so the way that God treats us is a witness to the world. The Bible said, let your light shine among men. We are a witness to the world that people see the goodness of God on us and it makes them jealous. It makes them want to come and receive what we have. Am I helping anybody in the building? Yeah. So at the very final word, I don't know if the, if the elder son went to the party. I don't know if he got restored or healed. I don't, I don't know if he got delivered from his attitude, but I do know this. The final thing dad said, it is meat or it's important. It is, it is, it is, it is my will that we make merry. Because your son was lost and now he's found. He was dead and now he was alive. Two weeks ago, I shared with the congregation the, the, the entire thought of that. And I will, I will, Matt, if you'll help me with something real real soft and childlike. The reason that God will go to any level, to any dimension, to any extreme to bring you back is important. We had a teenager in our life going through some major frustrating things, been abandoned by her parents, was headed towards a retreat, a spiritual retreat. And I prayed over her and I said, God, show her something on this trip. Maybe just, God, just show her, a, just show her a spider weaving a web. Very simple, very, she came back from that retreat gloriously refreshed because in one of her walks with God, she stopped on a rock and had the privilege of watching a spider build a web. If you've never seen it, it's a, but you know what? If you need a spider to build a web, to prove there is a God. If you need to snow it in one place and not in another, I mean, God's not foolish. God will do whatever it takes to meet your request and let you see Him. Because when you die, 
there's a part of God in you that either dies with you or it lives with you. And if you go to hell, which was not created for you, you take that DNA of God and God loses a part of himself, he can never get back. I'm preaching good now. The seed of God that was in the womb of Adam and Eve that all of us came from, every one of us have the DNA of God. Every one of us have the ability to accept Christ as our Savior. Every one of us have the ability to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Every one of us have the ability to walk in the promises and covenant of God. We're going to go through bad things, but God sees us through them and what the enemy intends for evil, God works for good. But when you die and go to hell, God loses a part of himself that he can never regain. Not, not to ever change his mind, not to ever quench the flames of hell. Hell is eternal. The same words describe heaven as eternal. The same words describe hell as eternal. That's why God wants revival. That's why God wants prayer. That's why God wants us to draw a circle and get it and say, I'm not coming out of the circle until there's a breakthrough in my life. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed. If you're a prodigal this morning away from God and you're not where you want to be, you're tired of what you've become, you're tired of where you're at, you're alone and frustrated, and you remember how God used to taste, you remember how God used to move in your life, you remember the presence of the Holy Ghost, you say, Pastor Hank, I don't wanna, I don't wanna stay on this wide, broad way that leaves destruction, I, I wanna find my way back. I wanna come to myself this morning and realize I'm missing all that God has for me. I've, I've negotiated and I got the bad end of the stick. But today I'm coming back to the heart of God. I'm coming, I'm coming home. I'm coming home in Jesus' name. If that's where you're at, would you put your hand up, put it right back down? Yes, 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 yes. Wow, 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 wow. Wow, wow, wow. Those of you that lifted your hand, I want to tell you, everything about today was all about you. Today, the Father left the nest and sought you out. Today, the Father left the healthy and sought you out. And by divine ordination, he brought you here this morning. It's by divine order that you're here this morning. And it's by divine order, the message this morning was so simple, so, so simple, but so profound. And we saw how creation worships God, how the whales worship God. We realized that every one of us have a song in our heart that's been that's been that's been squashed squelched and there's something trying to get out is a song of the lord and to be that that praise and worship that god has put in his father these hands that were lifted bless those hands in jesus name turn their heart back to you turn their, turn their spirit back to you come into their heart wash away their sins accept their repentance accept their their, their confessions and now take them and remove them as far as the east is from the west, 5.88 billion miles an hour, 100,000 light years from here. Remove them that far. Let them know that today is the first day of the rest of their life. We don't start over, we start again. And as Nicodemus, we will allow ourselves to be birthed this kingdom. We open the door now for the Holy Spirit to make a home here. In Jesus' name. The Bible says that heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents. This morning there were four hands lifted to reconnect with God. If I were to describe heaven right now, there's a hundred million angels shouting, laughing, clapping, leaping, twirling, dancing, levitating, 